Welcome to the Player Engage podcast, where we dive into the biggest challenges, technologies, trends, and best practices for creating unforgettable player experiences. Player Engage is brought to you as a collaboration between Keyword Studios and HelpShift. Here is your host, Greg Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Player Engage podcast. Today, we're joined by Renj Chung, the visionary CEO of BreederDAO. With a background that spans entertainment, consultancy, and even a stint in driving loyalty, Renz has now turned his focus into revolutionizing the Web3 gaming world. Passionate about making a genuine impact, he's leading the charge and creating solutions that drive more value into gaming economics. So, Renz, thanks for joining me today. I, I love the topic of NFTs and what we're going to do with it. I think that's where this conversation is going to go today. Uh, would, would you like to do a quick introduction? introduction of yourself as well as breeder Dam. oh for sure yeah thanks greg for the invite yeah i mean like myself uh, as you mentioned background is actually consulting did a bunch of like startups um before finally you know entering rabbit hole and then like degenerating into like the world of like nft DeFi, and eventually you know blockchain gaming so i think my background is kind of a jack of all trades master of none kind of thing um pretty common with with consultants right where you try and go through every single industry across different industries and then you end up like you know everywhere but nowhere at the same time so yeah it, all of which are actually pretty helpful along the way and uh, i feel like uh, it has made me into who i am today plus how i was able to transition into breeder so i guess like a, a bit of a background for breeder um we then initially started uh, within initially started as like breeder DAO, we didn't like you know okay we'll start breeder DAO and then we'll become the factory of the metaverse right um we actually started off by just regular ordinary players or participants in, in the blockchain ecosystem that encountered or that chance upon Axie infinity so friends and i were actually playing or well, my friends turned co-founders now um we're actually just playing Axie infinity trying to get up to the leaderboards and then competing against each other getting the best builds and then trying to recreate ones um, that we feel like would give us like an advantage in the game. And then when we were actually going through that process and, you know, left and right, uh, especially since we're situated in the Philippines, we kind of saw an opportunity because there were a lot of people looking for like Axis. Um, the idea of like the guild system and the scholarship model actually came here as pioneered by YGG. So um, it was actually very prevalent. I think based off the record of you know a uh, project uh, who's actually based out of Philippines as well, there were over you know twenty five thousand guilds and um, good majority is actually based out of Philippines. So during that time, everyone was actually um, going with Axie Infinity and everyone wanted to be a scholar. When we were or when we actually encountered this kind of situation, we were like, you know what? If everyone's just too focused on like uh, the user side of things, maybe there's an opportunity to work on the supply side of things, right? Because demand and supply works and uh, it's actually the, the basic premise of like economics, right? So why not create like a project that is centered around this time, providing assets to all of these guilds such that, you know, they wouldn't have to either create their own assets or buy off straight from the marketplace because now you can not only do it cheaper because you can sell it to them bulk, but they can also customize all of these assets and uh, requests for, for specific builds. And so that's ultimately how, how we started. Uh, we started selling with friends, um, friends uh, turned into, you know, like guilds, and then guilds eventually realizes that it doesn't just stop there. We can actually scale this business model outside of Axie Infinity, and we dabbled on like all of these other games, and that's eventually 
you know, the current family of Breeder DAO, which is more like asset generation, started off with gaming, but is now looking to expand to, to other facets or other industries as well. It's a lot there. And I appreciate that. I'd like to dig into different facets of what you're talking about, right? So let's start with kind of your background of uh, master, a jack of all trades, master at none, which I think is an important quality to have as a, a founder or leader of a company, right? You want to be able to understand everything that's happening around the company, but you also want to hire experts that come into each one of these facets. So you can trust right. someone with development. You can trust someone with finance. You can trust someone with all this stuff, right? Uh, For so, sure. so what was your actual background in consultancy? What were you doing when, prior to kind of starting a business? Sure. So uh, I touched on the projects around sourcing. So, you know, if there's like a particular supply chain, um, where is it best to source like particular materials? How can you actually reduce cost for uh, the major cost drivers of a particular company. So it's really heavy on like operations. And even, you know, the stints that I did outside of my initial consulting work were mostly around like driver operations, as you mentioned earlier. So it's really heavy on like execution and operational work. But I think um, prior to that one, I also dabbled on like strategy. So uh, it's really primarily strategy and operations for, for the most part. So you kind of took a look at you, you and your friends started playing Axie Infinity, kind of brand new NFT game that came out a couple of years ago. One of the first ones to really break them, break into the market. And I believe it's published by a company outside of the Phil or in the Philippines, right? So you probably had one. It really blew up in that side of the world, right? Like that, that's where yeah. a lot of the players. Well, not were. in the Philippines, but like in Southeast Asia. So yeah, yeah okay. So uh, you then, I guess, kind of talk about your strategy background, right? You, you notice that, yep. hey, something's missing here, right? Like they, they got right, the core right. mechanics of something that's working, but how do you make it scale properly? So you're kind of looking to fix the, the, the problem of how do you scale this. Um, Axie Infinity kind of peaked off, right? It's still being yep. played, but I think that yep. it kind of hit its ceiling for the current time. So now you're looking at how do you leverage the asset creation across multiple, not just games, but also multiple verticals, right? Yep. Yep. For sure. So let's kind of for people that are listening that can't quite wrap their heads around NFTs, and I'll admit that I'm probably one of them as well, right? You're talking about asset creation, right? Each asset is its own NFT. Is that well, maybe? it can and can be, right? Like uh, most of the like most of the digital assets, especially like pre blockchain and pre you know Axie Infinity, were mostly like non NFTs, right? These weren't like tokens. They aren't like tradable. They aren't like usable outside of uh, their own individual digital space, right? Um, in fact, the developers could just choose to shut it down and then, you know, you have no control over it. And the idea basically is that, you know, these are like digital characters that you may own just because it's tied to your account, but it's not, it doesn't actually live outside of whatever the developer wants, right? And so when NFTs were created, it's like, okay, apparently we can give birth or we can actually exist outside of what the developer actually creates because now we live on like other chains or we live outside of like that uh, sphere, we, we live on chain, right? And if I choose to adapt the, that particular asset and bring it to my game, which makes it like off chain or could be on chain still, right? It's not solely limited to that. And so because of that, then it has the life outside of that particular space. It has a life of outside of that ecosystem. It has a life outside of you know what the developer wants because it exists in a space outside of that one. I'm gonna ask a silly question and, and just to kind of wrap my head. No silly questions. So like, let's put it in terms of AAA games, right? Because I can name those a lot easier, right? Is the idea of being able to create something in Call of Duty 
whether it be a skin or a weapon skin or something. Mm-hmm. And then eventually if Fortnite were to accept the same sort of asset, being able to take my asset from Call of Duty to Fortnite, is that kind of what the end goal is that you own that asset and you can bring it from place to place or is it different? I mean, eventually, but that's not the entire reason, right? Like you don't necessarily need to prove interoperability whereby you take an asset from one particular space to another just to be able to prove that it's actually something or an NFT or something that you own, right? I guess the the most common example that I usually tell people is that if you own like, you know, that couch behind you, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that if you don't bring it to someone else's house that you don't necessarily own it or that it's not like an NFT, for example, because it's still yours right and you can do so many things about it you can you know transform it into or you can change the color for example from the beige to yellow or or something right and so the flexibility of being able to do something with that digital asset outside of the realm or outside of the direction of the original creator of that particular chair is what makes it yours right it's not about like you know, being able to transfer it, being able to bring it to a different world. It's about being able to use it in some cases than what it was originally intended for, right? And I mean, that's the the beauty of like um, NFTs in general. Um, and while, you know, there are some hiccups or some roadblocks at the moment, the eventual goal is that whatever it is, if you want it, then you should be able to do something about it. Um, whether that's, you know, just changing the color, whether that's, you know, being able to sell uh, an IP out of it or bringing it to to a different game, then, you know, the the fact that you're able to do something about it that's based off your discretion and your own whim, right? Then that's, you know, the, the, the core vision of what we're trying to do here. So you mentioned earlier on that you were looking to kind of expand beyond gaming into other verticals as well. What does this look like in the world of another vertical? I'm going to take a step back here and like talk about the idea of like a metaverse where metaverse is not solely limited to gaming, right? Um, we've seen applications, especially or primarily in the fashion world, right? Where people would just dress up and, you know, sometimes they do their shopping like online and all of that, right? Or, you know, for, for, for some people, it's not just about like you know, dressing up or being able to play. It's about being able to connect with people, right? Uh, so there's a social aspect to it. So I think it's about being able to provide um, for, for anyone who would want to enter the, the digital space, right? So going virtual is actually inevitable. Um, what we've been seeing is that people, as time goes by, right, actually goes back or goes more into it, more into like digital. We've seen that happen with, you know, the rise of social media. We've seen that, you know, with, with, with COVID and then people going into Google Meets, Zoom versus like going face to face to do their jobs. And eventually, you know, as more and more of these experiences become more and more immersive, then people would naturally just gravitate towards what's convenient, what's easy, what's more efficient, right? And nothing can provide that better more than digital. Not to say though that, you know, the physical experiences are but a nuance or, or something that would cease to exist, right? But we actually believe that eventually if there are things that can be done virtually and it's more efficient, or you know, for some people, especially since it not everyone can just teleport from one place to another, or not everyone has like the capability to fly from one place to another, 
right? These digital experiences are made to also uh, allow people to experience the things that they cannot because it might be expensive, it might be unreachable, it might be, you know, like out of reach, right? So the more that we actually allow people to experience these things, and because digital, one of the most common themes of digital is actually reducing the cost of having these experiences, right? Because it's not scarce, it's not one of one, it's not, or it doesn't compete with any of the current resources that are depleting around us right now. And therefore, there's an opportunity for us to be able to share it with everyone and for everyone to have a share uh, of the pie. So you're talking kind of in the world of the metaverse where we're all interacting digitally, right? The idea of owning a piece of clothing and owning is something that's yours, right? That you can do, you can manipulate. It's yours to, to own and, and do with what you want in the digital world yep. or the metaverse. Right. right. In a way. So I guess, you know, from Axie Infinity to the metaverse, right? Like how, how did you recognize the the point that hey there's a way to unify these guilds or make these guilds a little more a little more i don't want to say the word productive right but like how do you make them scale like what what made you re what was that light bulb moment for you where you and your friends recognized that i think it's more of like a natural thing right um when we were looking at the axi model you realize that it cannot sustain that level of traction forever right and i think the team and also like everyone else who was part of it kind of acknowledged that right that you can't just suddenly quit your job and just live off like a game, a singular game, perpetually forever, right? It's the That's dream like, now. I mean, yes, but like imagine being able to replicate it easily across like every single human being on Earth, right? Where is that money even coming from, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's not that we actually had like a light bulb moment. It's more of like it's a fact, right? And it, everyone knew that, right? It just depend. It was just dependent. Like, how fast are you able to shift, or how fast are you able to, you know, plan what's next, right, and be able to deliver what's next, right? So I think we were just ahead in terms of like taking an action or or taking a move, and then trying to be advanced in terms of okay, this is clearly not gonna be the future, right, and. You know, the, the metaverse is not just about like being able to earn money so that you can have like a better life here in the physical world, right? It's about like you know, all of these experiences that we're able to replicate or that we're able to do outside of the physical realm. Um, it's about like these things that we're able to, you know, share with other people that might be different from, you know, physical just because we can sometimes do it more frequently or just because we can do it you know, even without like going through the hassle of actually flying over to a particular place and doing it together face to face, right? So, yeah, I think it's not about like us having that light bulb moment, but it's about us like you know, staying ahead. And it really depends on how you see it, right? Is your idea of a metaverse similar to, for example, Ready Player One? Because for some people, it might be, you know, what already exists, right? Uh, via social media, being able to connect with people because that's the only ask that I have. It's not like they are clamoring for more immersive experiences, right? Um, and eventually, if it comes, then it comes, right? But, you know, it, it's about having different perspectives on what an actual metaverse is. What, how immersive do you really want to go with these experiences? 
and how virtual how how deep in terms of like you know virtual reality or augmented reality do you want to go like with these experiences i think that's really well said right it's something i think we're still learning as a as a people right is what is this metaverse what is this concept right ready player one was like a dream and then all of a sudden we started seeing different different ways of it coming out is it what facebook's doing with no legs right so what Apple's doing with a mix of AR, I, and Quest is far ahead, I think, with certain things, right? It's an interesting sure. question of where is it going to go? And I think that plays a big role in this. And, and a number of the people I've podcasted with also talk about the idea of, like, how do I put this into words? It's like, you don't, if you're talking about it still, it's going to be harder for it to take off. Like when Call of Duty releases a, an update, they don't talk about their SQL table and the tools that they're using on backend. Like if NFTs and metaverse kind of just blend into the actual game and you're playing the game, not realizing you're trading NFTs or you're doing something like that, mm-hmm. that's how you know it's all becoming more coercive into your world. That's how right. you know you're, you're, you're right. starting to live with it. It's the fact that we're still sitting here talking about, hey, NFTs, 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 I think that's going to scare a certain population away. But when it's just built into the game, a natural mechanic that you do, I think it becomes more accepted. And I think that's kind of where, and maybe I'm not right, but the kind of the idea of with Breeder DAOs where you're creating these assets over and over again. You're not talking about NFTs. You're creating these assets that you can reuse and you can kind of yep. recycle from there. No, that is true. Um, I think most of us were actually born into an era of internet. But for the most part, especially, you know, our parents or like grandparents, right? Um, that was actually not on the table when they were young, right? So it was actually quite like a, a stretch when they suddenly realized that, okay, this is not something that was that I was born into, right? For us, we actually just take it for granted. We were actually born into it. We were like, okay, internet is like so fun. And like, it's, it's, it's a thing that already exists, right? But for them, like it was a different experience. And I guess like, you know, right now we're experiencing what our parents did, like with the internet, right? Where, you know, we're, we're trying hard to actually create that infrastructure so that the future generations won't have to talk about wallets, NFTs. It's not even about that. It's about like being born into it and like it being part of like, you know, the community that exists that, you know, there, there's no like going through the hassle of like trying to track Etherscan for where my transaction is or how did it actually go? Or, you know, trying to force fit like utility onto most of these like assets because it just comes naturally, right? Yep. So, yeah. Um, and, and what would you said about like us trying to actually do the same route, right? We don't want people to be always recreating the wheels or the technology just to be able to come up with assets. You know, the, the, the future goal is that the only limitation when it comes to what you want to have, like within the metaverse, would be your imagination. Because, you know, with the advancement of like AI, right, with, with stuff like, I guess, um, all of these development in technology, it's pretty easy for people to actually create the same kind of content, uh, the same kind of content or information that has previously been done, right? So, how do I actually create something that's purely mine? Um, it's actually up to me to reimagine it without like having to go through the technicalities of how to create it, without having to have like the design know-how or the technology, technological knowledge to create it. I should still be able to create it because admittedly people don't care, right? As long as they're able to see the results, then they don't care how you actually do it. As long as it's easy, it's convenient, then I'll accept it, right? I think that that's one of the main issues or blockers of, of blockchain right now. It's because we're trying to make people understand that it is a technology that they should want versus like them realizing that it's what they want, right? So I think we still have like, ways ahead in terms of like you know 
trying to make people understand that. But, you know, it shouldn't be us, like, force-fitting it or force forcing them to actually understand it and just suck it up and, like, study it because it's not, it's going to be the next big thing. They have no. to find that out for themselves. You, you, I took some notes here, and I apologize, but there's some things I want to kind of poke into, mm-hmm. right? And I think it... it the heart of this, I'm going to probably ask you at a high level to explain exactly what BreederDAO is doing, right? What's an enabling. But my first question I have is, you know, you mentioned AI and AI's clearly boomed, I think, even since before we started talking. Since then, it's become even more crazy. But but my yep. question is, does that pose a risk at the concept of asset creation? Because I can now go to like a, a mid-journey or something else and type something in or or is that going to actually enable you to do things quicker because you have the base image and you can just use ai to help uh, come up with concepts of how to kind of alter that uh well it actually goes both ways um i think what's unique about like the combination of blockchain and ai is that eventually everyone's going to create the same kind of content via ai and there's no way to prove its originality right but if you actually include the concept of blockchain and blockchain is known for its provenance right you're able to track like whether that particular creation is original or it's an offshoot of like something else so well that's the first one and you know we're, we're tackling both ai and blockchain like like in our company like the most recent product that we release is called ai skins which leverages all already existing technology to be able to create like um these assets but at the same time allows you to properly store it as like an original version and it's verifiable on chain. So that's add, that adds like a, another element to it. On a second note, right, like for sure, people are gonna be able to create all of these assets themselves, but it's not just about the creation, it's also about the distribution. What we want to happen here is that people shouldn't have to create assets and then have nowhere to use them, right? We also wanna be the bridge, right? dealing with, I guess, games, dealing with partners, dealing with all of these metaverses that they might be able to use their assets in or for, right? Because admittedly, even though it's a decentralized ecosystem, there is still like gatekeeping that's happening. I mean, from a, from a, from a business perspective, right? There are costs that are associated when it comes to adding more content into your platform. There are, you know, like bandwidths that you have to manage so that your servers do not go overload, right? Just because you know, there's a limited capacity at the moment. So there are a lot of things still that even if you have like access to AI, you'll still need like projects like ours to help navigate and to make it easy for you. And I think like, even though we're saying that AI has reached a point where everyone can really use it, I mean, just like with technology, right? Even though there's already online banking, there's already like uh, pseudo banking, um, uh, or like financial services out there, um, some people still prefer cash, just because it's not yet easy for them. And you know, e, I think it's still gonna take a while. Even though as popular as AI is, it's still gonna take a while before people really understand the technology and use it as a basis. And you will need companies or projects to be able to help you drive them from here to there. And we aim to be one of those like projects out there. As a creation can be done via AI, but not everyone can do it properly. So us being the, the, the intermediary uh, the, or, or, or the middle guys to actually help facilitate that process uh, in the interim and then eventually maybe completely shifting to you know, a specialized asset creation kind of thing, which would also be a possibility, right? 
But for now, um, the way we're thinking about it is that we don't want to recreate the wheel. We don't want to create our own thing. We want to use the technology at hand and help bridge that to people. Yeah, distribution is really a great point, right? I mean, that's the one thing that we really can't get help with from AI at the moment, right? Creation to a degree, right? It's going to be messy and whatever. It's possible, but not great. But distribution is an interesting one because it's going to, if I'm a Web3 developer today starting to create a game, right? How do I hook into the Breeder Down network? Is it an SDK? Is there like, yeah, it's funny. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Gardner hype cycle, right? It's this kind of that concept of, hey, when a new technology comes out, the first thing that happens is everyone gets so excited that they start building yep. every little thing under the world. Like, yep. hey, here's ChatGPT that can write a book. Here's ChatGPT that can write a song, right? Whatever. And yep. then people start doing crazy stuff. And then the hype dies down and then real products right. start to come of it, right? It seems like yep. you're thinking further down the line, right? Like, let, let's not buy into the hype of NFTs. Let's not buy into the hype of AI. Let's create a network that can distribute these assets across... Right. So how, how do I, as a developer, buy into this network of distribution? How does that work? For sure. So we're actually working on that on two sides. The first one is like hooking them up first to like partners that we already have. Right? So the platform, for example, that I mentioned earlier, which helped with the distribution part, already allows you to convert these assets into different file formats, which is the first step in order to be able to transform from one particular asset, uh, from one particular world to another, right? If it's a voxel type, for example, you would need a .vox format, right? And so um, the, the conversion process happens in our world. So the way we actually do it would be two ways. The first one is that what assets do you want to bring into the table, right? And we don't have an SDK or an API plugin yet. Um, that's actually one of the things that we feel like um, we might or should be working on like next. Um, but it really depends on how mature the market becomes, right? Um, and then the second part would be like bridging those back into the game. Because a lot of these games are still in a closed loop. And as I mentioned earlier, like from a business perspective, you still have to manage costs, you still have to manage server load, right? So they are not as open to accept like every single thing that people would want to bring in, right? We still need to improve the technology that we have. We still need to be able to scale properly before we're able to do that. But we're working on the groundwork, right? Who are the partners that people would want to distribute uh, distribute to? What are the kinds of assets that they want to create? And these are the two things that we're trying to still work on uh, at the moment. But uh, as you mentioned, like we're, we're thinking ahead, we're thinking down the line, right? Um, because eventually, um, we don't want to just go with the hype. We want to be here uh, for the long run, and we want to re remain relevant uh, across different hype cycles. Cool. So I want to take a quick time out here because I usually like to do in the middle of this podcast is kind of some rapid fire questions, uh, things that uh -huh. take really no brain power and just kind of see where, where you're at. So it should probably take okay. a minute or so. So you good to go? Yeah. All right. What's the last game you played? Um, Mobile Legends. Mobile Legends. What did you have for breakfast? Whey protein. <laughs> All right. With milk just by itself? Just by itself. All right. Um, what is the last book you read? What is the last book I read? I don't even remember. Hard Thing About Hard, Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. I was going to say, it would take me a minute to think about that too because I am not a huge reader. But uh, last, oh, no, last question, yeah. What is uh, your ideal vacation? That's hard. I mean, vacation for me is also work, so <laughs> that's <go>. hard. <laughs> Keeping, uh, keeping busy. Um, one of the things that you kind of spoke about, not much into detail, and something that's important for, and I imagine a tool like this is the sense of community. 
and being able to build up people that want to be a part of it, people that want to help. And I know you guys do do stuff with community. How do you build a community or how are you working on the community? Is it something that's top of mind or is it just happening by the wayside? What's your strategy there? Sure. So I guess the, the initial community that we built was quite obvious. Uh, as I've mentioned, we were focused on the creation side of assets for Axie Infinity specifically. So most of the guys that we were able to attract were either guys who'd want to learn how to create, craft, or generate these assets, or people who would want to purchase like you know these specialized assets that we create. So that's the kind of community that we initially built, and it's from the ethos of like what Breeded Us aim to be, or you know what we actually strive for as like a project. And at the same time, you know I feel like that's the most effective way of building a community. Like understanding what is your goal, what is your vision, and then sharing that with people who are, you know, like-minded, right? Or who wants to actually participate in building that kind of like vision together with you guys. Admittedly, though, a lot of these guys, because of the bear market, kind of you know, just disappeared, or you know, got disinterested, which makes you think: um, Are they just in it for the money? Did they initially share the same vision, right? Um, which is okay, right? I mean. Each one has like different perspective and different motivations, right? What we're slowly realizing is that you'd want to know like what the motivation that you want to actually provide your community. Is it earnings? Is it, you know, if they buy into your token, then their expected returns? Is it just a core component of just being able to create assets or creating the best assets out there? Is it just basically what you're doing, which is decentralizing asset creation and then allowing everyone to participate without you know having the technical background to do so and for us right now we're still trying to figure that out most of the projects that we've seen who've had like successful nfts have like a cult-like following but it's mostly driven by you know gains or profits right and therefore we continually ask ourselves is that the kind of community that we want to have right or have we not tapped or have we not reached the community that we want to eventually bring in? Because even though we say that Web3 has already encouraged a lot of people to participate, I mean, most of the people around me still don't understand what a blockchain even means or what, what blockchain even is, right? Or, or what cryptocurrency even is, right? We can still generalize the kind of people who are actually here um, right now. Um, and it's still a limited pool. So maybe, you know, the, the first few ones are really just motivated by profits, right? And there's nothing wrong about that. But again, is that the kind of people that we want to bring in? Um, if so, then, I mean, the clear motivation there is money, right? Either you actually share them with whatever profits you guys can generate as a project um, so that they stay as your community and they become loyal people or members of your group. or you know, just wait for the next wave to come on board and then maybe you'll find like a solid community who would appreciate the tools that you have um, and then eventually stay loyal to you. So yeah, um, we're hoping for the latter one because we're building out the infrastructure right now to be able to accommodate these individuals. And as I mentioned, right, we want to democratize um, asset creation and being able to help people craft their own assets, being able to, you know, provide them with the tools that they would need to be able to imagine whatever it is that they want or to visualize whatever it is that they want, right? And it might not be as appreciated right now because it's not earning 
people as much money. But you know, eventually, it's not going to be like about earnings. It's not going to be about like you know whether this particular thing or project can give me like a 10x or 100x. It's just about like me genuinely enjoying uh, using this product or me genuinely uh, enjoying like the idea or the, the, the that thing that actually makes this project this project. That's a, a fascinating way to kind of approach a situation because me, and I'll just tell you my thoughts, right? Seeing NFTs come out a couple of years ago with this board apes i think it was or something with apes right and seeing how much money they were going for it's just kind of thinking to myself like how could anyone normal be affording this type of stuff and yeah it's in the beginning it's like the gold rush everyone wants to go make a dollar on something but the thing is if there's no one there building out a platform that can help it scale that can help it survive right it's right i don't want to say it's boring because it's not boring but you're not here to make a quick buck you're here to help build an infrastructure build this thing to work and you need to have enough people helping with that to do that and the question is like is that happening right are more games being built including this stuff right you we you probably have a little more visibility into that than i do i know a lot of our customers are still investing in web3 so that stuff does happen right it's are there going to be enough people that are willing to kind of put their head down and just work to it to build a stru- build a platform rather than just quickly make that quick quick buck? Yeah, I, I definitely right. Um, and I don't think like the the ape idea is entirely you know, something that uh, we should not follow, right? Because like there's a niche that exists out there that would still want to go for that one. Exactly why you know exclusive clubs even in the in the in the current world that we live in still exist right because there's a natural market fit for that kind of people yes it's not to the point where you can scale it to everyone but there are still people who would appreciate the exclusivity and like the the high floor or barrier to entry for these kind of things so that's fine but as you mentioned right if we want to go down to to the masses if we want to build out the infrastructure so that a lot more people can enter um, then we should be thinking about it differently. And so, yes, I've been seeing a lot of projects actually that are building for that future um, because they realize only a handful can actually become board apes, right? You can't expect a lot of people to all have like a floor of what, like 25 ETH at the moment or even 100 ETH before, right? That's not like the path for every single project. And there's a lot of projects. Um, and I think with gaming specifically, at the start, what you said was actually right, where it was mostly hype, right? Uh, people saw Axie Infinity success, they created different copies of Axie Infinity, basically just changed the characters, but have the same exact mechanics, right? But you know, um, I mean, I'm personally pretty hype about like some of the games that are about to launch. I've attended 3XP, I've attended a lot of like these other game conferences that showcased a lot of other games that have been using blockchain technology to improve players' experiences. And even as more established gaming studios have already started integrating, you know, the idea of blockchain into their own specific um, IPs or even games, right? So there's definitely a lot more genre that we're going to see in the next few like quarters. And for me, it's basically how, or it's similar to how like free-to-play started, right? Where at the start, people didn't know how to exactly monetize free-to-play until ads came along, right? And so the quality of the initial run of like these free-to-play, like like versus like you know most of the pay-to-win kind, of, uh, pay-to-play kind of kind kind of games, right? And so 
I'm saying that we're experiencing the same phenomenon because right now free-to-play games can actually level with pay-to-play kind of games, right? And blockchain gaming or blockchain games may be experiencing the same situation as like uh, free-to-play in the early days, but eventually, you know, maybe blockchain games can rival even that of like um, free-to-play. And then who's to say that it's actually a separate field in terms of like gaming, right? Or even like a new kind of like game. It's just going to be a game, right? That people generally enjoy, whether it's blockchain to it or not, right? It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's a game that's fun and enjoyable to play with. Right. I think that's the stigma we want to get rid of, right? Where we don't have to say blockchain game. It's just a game, right? And maybe maybe the framework is built in and maybe all that stuff is, right? At the end of the day, it's still just a game. And it's interesting to compare it to free-to-play because you're right, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a new style game that people are going to free-to-play. could still be any type of game, right? But, but it's just yep. the concept of it being free. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Is there anything you know of on the horizon, the technology side of things from uh, NFT or blockchain that excites you in general there are a lot uh, more on the standards uh, 6551 for example which is able to host like uh, a lot of nfts under it so it becomes like an nft on nfts i feel like with that kind of implementation uh, there's a lot of like execution standard that can be utilized right for example in our case the idea of abstracting um, interoperability um, if you look at like most of the current assets right now, they follow a particular standard, especially when you want to bring them to a game, right? But it's not like you originally create like a standard that people would just adopt, right? So you can expect that each individual creator, each individual developer will have their own standards, right? But for you to abstract that under a singular NFT, a 6551 solution might be you know, one of the best ways to go about it, right? Because it actually hosts all of these different formats or even NFTs, right? Under one particular NFT. And every time it interacts with a particular game, then it obtains like uh, information from one of the subsets from that particular NFT. Um, the 43371 uh, standard is also a bit interesting because you know people don't admittedly people don't want to do like wallets, right? Like why do I want to memorize my seed phrase when I have my email? So account abstraction um, is also something that um, we're heavily looking at. So basically, most of these technology are, are most of the technology that I'm really excited about are about like providing that convenience and experience to the users that is not alienating and that is not you know hard to actually understand. So yeah, there's a lot more. Um, some of which I also can share, but I think in terms of like gaming. AI applications to gaming are going to be pretty interesting. One of the biggest thing for me is the generation of content, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure you've played a lot of games, right? And the, the worst thing that could happen is for you to reach endgame and then for you to not do anything or for free to play, right? For you to, to finish out like content and then what's next? It's about the grinding and then the next content becomes so easy because you've already maxed out all your characters, right? With with AI, we're able to replicate content super fast, and we're able to create like you know different experiences uh, in more ways than one, right? Uh, at a faster, at a more efficient speed. So, yeah, that fast content generation is just one of the things that can help us when it comes to like you know um, how we can push forward the idea of like gaming. Yeah, just you know, fast content 
an abundance of content doesn't always mean good content, right? I remember when I was little sure. and I got access sure. to tons of video games and all of a sudden you play each game for like five minutes and it's just like, all right, well, I just right. played a hundred games. And, and right. right. So it's making sure that there's quality along with the quantity so that uh, making sure that it's a good experience, not overwhelming. For sure. Um, what you were talking about, it sounds like for the upgrades that are exciting, you're a lot of quality of life upgrades for the user who's using the, the asset, who's buying an asset, right? And I think that's important. And I think we, we spoke with someone a while ago who built a game called AI Arena. And what I thought was interesting about that is that they were building a an AI that learns how fighters fight in a fighting game, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking mm-hmm. like, that itself can almost be like an NFT itself, right? Like, hey, here's right. my fighter profile. My punch speed is X. My kick speed is X. Right? I was thinking, hey, uh-huh. there's probably other ways to look at these NFT thing. Like, what is an NFT? What is is it an asset? Is it a profile? Is it something else? It could really be anything, right? At the end of the day, it's like, yep, it's just kind of your rights to to something in this realm. So, yep. Well, it, it's basically unique ownership of like something, right? Yeah. It's essentially a token that's not fungible, right? And so I think it being a token could already account or could already like say that it could be anything, right? But the non-fungibility part is what's important, right? How do I make sure that it's something that's mine, right? Yeah. And it's something that you know, not just anyone can actually replicate. Also, same with the idea of like you know, class A's, class B's, fakes, and all of that, right? Like. What exactly is real versus like um, fake, right? Because even though, like, and as you said, right, if AI Arena can actually learn, then you know my avatar can actually learn the same things that your avatar can do. But what's to say that that avatar is yours? That's after something, right? If it, you know, merges and all of that, right? Like, how do I differentiate it afterwards? Right? And so that's why I've been saying that you know blockchain actually plays a crucial role in the development of AI because. No technology can actually, I guess, compete against the speed of AI aside from blockchain, at least from my perspective, right? And so, you know, being able to track all of these things, um, because at the end of the day, blockchain is just a ledger, right? It's able to store all of these information. And so if I can store this kind of information, then it doesn't matter whether that information becomes uh, or bridges with like another information, because I still know which one is mine, which one is, which one is doesn't, right? So, I think there's this whole... I feel like my, my parents saying this, right? But this whole education aspect that still needs to be understood on, on what is blockchain, what is NFTs, what is, right? Like to me, mm-hmm. I, I get probably 80% of it, but then there's this missing gap here. But I think, you know, the the either the audience needs to either understand what they're doing or just has to blend in with the game like we've been talking about. Like you talked about it with our parents trying to learn the internet with years of no internet. And I feel like this is kind of where we are now. Is this this new technology yep. that we talked about? And to your point you made earlier, like there is some learnings that need to go on. It's not about creating an ape and selling an ape for thousands of dollars. It's about creating an asset or something that you can that you can own and make it yourself. And I think I think that's going to be an interesting to see how that happens over the next couple of years of either blending in or educating the public on, on what's actually happening. I mean, it's our responsibility to build out the infrastructure to be able to support that, right? Just like if the, the earlier believers of internet created a world where, you know, people just have it as like, uh, or as a world that they're born into, right? Eventually, we're going to do the same for the people that are not part of like blockchain or the future generations that aren't even born yet, right? Like, we should build out like 
we should build this technology out properly so that eventually people don't even need to understand like what NFT is. Just that, for example, ISP is not something that we actually had to go through when we started using the internet, right? We just had the Google Chrome, right? So yeah, like, like it's the same case, right? There's no concept of wallets. There's no concept of that. Like everything that I have in me is mine and I can prove it, right? Because yep. it's in my wallet. So yeah. Is uh with Breeder DAO, is it does it have to be a Unity game that I'm creating? Is it built on the Unity framework, like uh, assets, or can it be anything? Oh no, so it could be anything. Um that's one of the reasons why I'm pretty stoked about like the six five five one, because it just allows for anything to be part of it, right? Um and I'm not saying that we've already mapped things out that we're sure that we can accommodate all of these things, but it's a step, right? Um, the first thing that you have to do is be able to understand what kind of format or what kind of like, I guess, yeah, format um, do these games accept in the first place, right? And are you able to actually build that as part of this asset or this original asset that will become the copy of the original user? And ultimately, that's the only thing that matters, right? Like, am I able to integrate this? Is there like is there like a modular component to the asset that I've created that it can actually communicate to a Unity game, to uh, Unreal Engine game, right? And that's what we're building, right? We're building these endpoints so that eventually whatever you guys create, it can actually communicate with uh, the original asset that I still have, right? Of course, um, I think it's not like a one-is-to-one -one where automatically I can already bridge this with like a new technology. There's a lot of like things that goes around in the back end, but at least right. like the important part is like having that back end and allow these to have like, how do I say this? Like a, a, an endpoint where they can talk, communicate so that that becomes like the starting point in which, or uh, with which they can um, proceed with integration. Yeah, so you basically house the asset in a specific format, and if it's an Unreal game you're using, or a Unity game, or some Godot game, right, it can make the transformation, or maybe you have the tools as just an endpoint to help kind of manipulate the asset to get it working in that engine. For sure, yeah. Cool. Renz, I think that's all the questions I have for you today. I, I appreciate you coming on and educating me, as well as our audience, on, on both BeaterDAO, the NFTs, blockchain. Is there anything you want to talk about from BeaterDAO that you want to plug? Yeah, I think uh, I mostly centered the conversation around like, you know, um, distribution and creation and like file formats and whatnot, right? But I think at the end of the day, like what people should understand about BreederDAO is that we're focused on assets, whether that's assets that's created in-game via breeding, crafting, you know, all of that, whether that's about like, you know, converting static NFTs to dynamic NFTs and then bringing in like a new wave of like ads like within these games, or whether that's about like, you know, conversion converting like file formats from one game that's allowable to another, right? Like eventually what we want to have like a hand in is that everything or every singular asset uh, is either created by us, um, was inspired by our products or was generated through, you know, some influence um, via us, right? And that's what ultimately um, who we are and what we strive to be as like a company as a project. Cool. I appreciate that. And you should check out the BreederDAO website. It's BreederDAO.io. We'll have links to it on the Player Engage website, and we'll also share it in social media. I love what you do. I'm always a fan of companies that put a roadmap on their 
on their website. I feel like it's a risky thing, but it's cool to be able to see what you're doing. And you can almost take a look at it over time and see what we've accomplished, what we've hit, what we haven't hit. And it's just really great stuff. And, and it's cool stuff. I, I'm excited to continue my learnings on uh, both BreederDAO, but NFT community, what's happening there. I'd love to see how it continues to evolve. Uh, I think you guys are building something that can scale really greatly. And I'm excited to see what happens. And again, I do appreciate you coming on today. And if anyone is looking for Rens and, and BreederDAO, we'll have that information. And, and thank you again for coming today. Awesome, Greg. You and me both, like the, the world of blockchain is constantly changing. So yeah, it's a learning process even for me. So yeah, pretty excited for the future. And, and just sorry to finish it, right? It's a learning process. It's also, uh, I know we're extending this here, but like that trust, right? Again, when it starts with bored apes that are going for $10,000, it's just like, who can do that, right? It's about making sure, sure that it's a sustainable, scalable, something that everyone wants to use, right? Not just a quick cash grab and i think i think building out tools like this are, are just going to help the community for sure yeah that's the goal yeah right so thank you again we'll share all the information and i hope you have a great rest of your day